Very often people live in the wrong realm and I just wanted to talk, we were talking on Friday about the Word of God, um, how it's so important to get the Word of God inside you, to learn the Word of God, to live by the Word of God, to know the Word of God and um, lots of people make mistakes, for instance you've got fools around who, who turn around and say, well Jesus is a friend of publicans and sinners and it's all very well to say that, of course, as long as you remember that the person that made that accusation was the same person that said he was a wine-bibber and a glutton. Uh, Jesus never is friendly with sin, he came to save us from it. Amen? He didn't come to allow us to live on, he, he came to deliver us and he came to take sin into his own body and he certainly isn't friendly with it. That's a deception of the humanist that's come into the church and he takes a little bit of scripture out of context, dumps it on you and says, there you are, you see. But that was the accusation of Pharisees who came to Jesus and they said, you know, you were born of fornication. Hi, you're a friend of um, sinners and publicans, you're a wine-bibber, you're a glutton. A licentious person, they were saying in the Greek. All in the same phrase. People forget that and then they adopt a little phrase. Same as they do with Gamaliel. You know, if it's of God it'll stand, if it's man it'll fall. People think that's the word of God. It's not. It's Gamaliel who's a fool. Because if it were true, then Buddhism would have ceased long ago. Hinduism would have ceased long ago. JWs wouldn't exist now. And a lot of the errors wouldn't exist. They didn't come from God. And in fact, the devil wouldn't be around anymore, would he? Hello? If it's not true, they say, well, it's in the Bible. Yeah, it's in the Bible, but who said it? And you always want to look and say, well, who said this? If you look at who said it, then you get to know. But there's something else that's very important. And that is, when Jesus says things, you always want to know, who did he say them to? When did he say them? Who was he addressing? Why was he addressing them? Or you might take all scripture and think, well, you know, it's all right. For instance, if you've got leprosy, there's no good going to the Nile um, or Jordan and deciding dip seven times and you won't have leprosy anymore. You say, well, it's in the Bible that someone's told to go. Yeah, it was. But that was for him, not for you. Hello? Yes. There's a lot of things that are in scripture, but if you apply them to yourself, you're going to come unstuck. Now, it doesn't mean that it always won't work. There was a woman who had uh, severe angina and she'd had a heart attack. And one day she opened a Bible, she opened it at Ezekiel 36, verses 24 to 27. Said, a new heart also will I give you. And she said, hallelujah, ran up the stairs and was completely healed. She didn't realize it wasn't meant to be a heart physical. But God was talking about a spiritual transformation. But God sometimes intervenes in a strange way, doesn't he? He can take something and use it in a way you don't expect. But a lot of Christians think that somehow because they can speak in tongues or because they think they're old, that therefore they uh, give away their mind. God gave you a brain, he expects you to use it. Admittedly, women have a smaller brain than men, scientifically. Uh, however, my wife tells me that women use more of their brain than men do. Um, and so they don't need as much. I'm not sure that there's any biblical base for that. Um, in Matthew, I want to go on. But I, I want to talk to, today about the new covenant. You know, very important. And if you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, Anyway, Matthew chapter 17 verse 19 says this, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? They were talking about a little demon. Size of a, you know. And they said, Why couldn't we cast him out? They'd, come, they'd been up the Mount of Transfiguration, they'd got themselves in trouble, there's a little demon they can't cast out. 
Why not? And um, I want you to notice that this is pre-Calvary. Okay? Uh, a lot of people live pre-Calvary, Old Covenant. Don't understand the New Covenant, don't understand what happened on Calvary, don't understand what happened in the Resurrection. Uh, so they live in this. Now here they are asking about demons. Here's a demon and they couldn't cast it out. And verse 20, Jesus answers them, because of your unbelief. That's why you couldn't. It was your unbelief. Uh, now, this is still talking to disciples who were given authority to heal the sick, were given authority to cast out devils and demons, but did not have the Holy Spirit resident within them, were not baptized in the Holy Ghost, had not received total atonement and forgiveness of sins, did not know the fullness of redemption, didn't understand Calvary, didn't understand the resurrection, and therefore weren't Christians. Okay? Uh, and they had a problem with unbelief. And then Jesus goes on. So, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And in Mark 11, verse 23, if you go to Mark 11, verse 23, you'll find a similar thought. Mark 11, verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Amen. Uh, and you get a lot of people come to these scriptures and use them for their life. Unfortunately, they weren't spoken to Christians at all. They had nothing to do with Christians. These are to do with Old Covenant people living in the Old Covenant who are having something explained to them by Jesus but they're not New Covenant people. Oh. You see, a lot of people find the principle here and say, oh well yes, but every promise of God in Christ Jesus, yea and amen. This isn't a promise, this is an instruction of how to operate in a spirit realm which you can operate in but it's not the one that a Christian operates in. But it will work. And there's a lot of people that go about and operate in this realm, and it's not the realm of a Christian at all. But it'll work. And that's where the problem comes. People don't understand the covenants, they don't understand. You see, it's so dangerous when you use God. God intends to use you. But when you begin, and this is what happens, so many Christians, because they don't know who Jesus was speaking to, they don't understand that Calvary has passed, this was looking forward to it. They don't understand that people had to operate in the realm of their faith and they had to believe because at that time Christ had not atoned for their sin and was not risen from the dead and hadn't overcome all the power of the enemy and he wasn't the one who had conquered then. He'd come conquering and to conquer but there was still things needing to be accomplished. He needed to set his face at a flint to go to Jerusalem. He needed to bleed and die for you and me. So all that he says is talking to unconverted people. He's saying to them, look, 
and is explaining to them. But for you and me it's different. I'm a Christian, I'm a son of God. I don't live that way at all. I'm not wanting to claim things. I'm not wanting to um, confess things with my mouth. What God wants us involved with is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ that able to say, and we need to understand what God has done for us. I don't need those things. Thank you, I don't want them. What I want is to live the way Jesus intended me to live and to do what he put me on earth to do which is let everyone know there's a saviour who saves, who heals, who delivers, who took my sin and your sin. He died on Calvary, third day rose again from the dead. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? And I, I want to live in the reality of what God has done for me. You see, this was all what you can do if you believe. But I'm not interested in that. I'm not trying to reach out for what I want anymore because I want to please God. I want to do what He wants. I'm not needing to claim things anymore and try and do the impossible because I know that God of the impossible will fulfill His purposes if I'm obedient. I live in a different realm. Uh, you'll find it and I want to talk about that realm. Okay, we're leaving the false realm. And if you find someone quoting these scriptures and telling you, you want to laugh at them and say, you're a fool! This is for old covenant people. I'm a Christian. I'm born from above. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't live that way. Very important. You've got to know what is yours in Christ. And so look with me in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. First important lesson to know. Ephesians 1. I've spoken about it before. Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It's done, it's already been done, and there is nothing more to do. It's done. So I would never be claiming things, trying to live things, trying to get things. That's not, hey, it's already been done. God did it. He's blessed me with all, now if I've got all spiritual blessings, is there a blessing more I need? <coughs> Hello? If I've got it all. Now do I believe what God says? Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all... Hey, if he's done it, what am I seeking? I'm nothing. I'm, all I need to do is start living in what he's done. I find so many Christians believe there's some great blessing out there and they're trying to reach out and take hold of what God has already said, is already done and already given. And I want to repeat it. There's two prayers God will never answer. God will never do what he's already told you to do. No matter how long you pray, you have got to do what he's told you to do. And the second prayer he'll never answer. God will never do what he's already done. So if you're praying for God to bless you, you're a fool. He's already done it. You'll never get an answer to your prayer. Blessed be God and Father our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. Now, it's in heaven. That's why when Jesus told the disciples how to pray, he said, when he told the disciples how to pray, he said, um, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now in heaven you're blessed with all spiritual blessings, aren't you? And the will of God is you walk in it on earth. What you have, you need to live in. 
What most Christians do is they, they've been told, no, you've got to seek something. And so they're trying to get hold. I'm talking of born-again, spirit-filled Christians. That's who I'm talking to. If you're not, you need to get born again. You need to get converted. Well, but I'm talking to people who are Christians. Not churchgoers, Christians. You know, true, spirit-filled Christians. All right? Okay? With me. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 2 Corinthians chapter 9 now I'm, I'm talking as I say to Christians <laughs> spirit filled living, living individuals 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 God is able to make all grace abound toward you. All grace abounding toward you. Is there any grace you lack? Hello? Have you got all grace? That you always having all sufficiency in all things Hey! I've got all sufficiency in all things. I don't like anything. I've been blessed in heaven with all spiritual blessings. Now I have all sufficiency in all things. There's nothing in my life I lack. God's made his grace to abound toward me. All his grace. Glory to God. So, I, I've got all sufficiency. I've got sufficient in all things that I might do what? Tells you. Abound to, to every good work. So God has planned that I can live my life and excel in every good work because I have all sufficiency in all things to accomplish his purpose. There's not one of you here hasn't got what you need to do what God intends you to do. Every good work. You can abound in every good work because you already have it. The trouble is with Christians, they're unbelievers. They don't believe that what God says is true. They don't believe his word. They live in old covenant type teaching and they're trying to get blessing and... Get up and live it. I'm alive. You only revive what's dead. If you're dead, pray for it. We don't need revival. We need Christians who start walking in what God's already given us. Don't we? Is that plain? Now you have all sufficiency. You say, well I don't feel. I'm not asking you to feel. What are you? carnal, sensual. I believe God. God says it, I believe it. That's the end of the story. I never have any problem. God's God. He says it. We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, you'll find it over in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12. Then the Lord said unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to do what? Perform it. God is always hastening his word to perform it. When he says something, it was. Do you know when God said, let there be light? There was. Didn't want, not there will be. When God said he blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, it's a was, not an is, or shall be. When God said, <laughs> He's given me all sufficiency in all things, is that true? It's a was, isn't it? I got it 20, uh, 33 years ago, God made, gave me all sufficiency in all things. My trouble is that no one told me. A lot of people, they're always trying to push you and tell you, well, you need this, you need that. I don't need nothing. I've got everything. I've got all sufficiency in all things. 
God's made all grace abound toward me. Hey, I'm happy. Uh, and if you're not, it's because you're outside of God. Start believing his word and get inside. You're a mess. Wonderful to know God's done it all, isn't it? Hmm? Yeah. Wonderful to know God's done it, isn't it? I can't stand sniveling wretches. Now some people go to a meeting and they, you know, and they cry, they get all emotional. Jesus saw a woman crying when he was risen. He said, woman, why weepest thou? Now some people just like to cry, don't they? I asked God, I prayed, <laughs> it hasn't happened. Well, you're asking God to do what he's already done. And that's a stupid prayer. What he's done, he's done. It's time you started rejoicing in what God's done for you. And stop living in unbelief. Hmm? Okay? Too many people do that. Isaiah 55, verse 10. Isaiah 55, verse... It's good we've got a Bible. You can never go wrong if you read it. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God's saying, hey, when I send my word, my word's going to prosper. It's going to accomplish what I sent it to do. And he said, look, like the rain comes down. And I mean, you know, living this, we haven't had a summer yet, have we? But it started, we've had rain come, haven't we? Now what does it do? It brings forth, causes things to grow, doesn't it? When I was over in Palm Springs, they don't have rain there, they, they had rain two years before. It's desert. Boy, it's hot. It's not the place to go in the summer, I tell you that now. And, and it was hot. Uh, and when I got off the plane in the afternoon, the first afternoon we arrived there, it burnt your lungs just breathing. I said to the fellow that picked us up, I said, do you realize people in England pay to go to a sauna? Here, you get it free every day, all day nearly. It was so hot. 105 degrees. Went up to 114. That's in decent weather. And it was hot. And amazingly, you get used to it after about four days. And when we went down to the coast, where it was only 82 degrees, we started shivering. Um, but blessed relief to shiver. But when the rain comes, it brings forth seed. And when the rain, it's a wonderful thing. And God says, my word's like that. Look at it. Look at what his promise is. He said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. Now look. God sent his word to the old covenant people. And it'll prosper for them. Don't think that the word in Matthew. And the word in Mark we read out at first. Didn't work. Of course it worked. But it wasn't for us. We got better promises. 
we got a better salvation. we got a better life. That's the difference. Doesn't mean that it won't work. Of course it'll work. If you take hold of it, but there's a danger in taking hold of what doesn't apply to you, because you'll end up using it for yourself instead of God. And that's what's happened. People are taking God and using His Word for themselves. But we're meant to be pleasing Him. Look at it. In verse 11 of Isaiah 55 it says this, So shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what? That which I please. Hello. You see, God intends his word to accomplish what pleases him, not what pleases you. God hasn't come to please you. He's come to please Father. When Jesus spoke, he said, I do always those things that please him. And God's word is about doing God's will, God's way, for God's purpose, to glorify him and to please him. In other words, you won't live this unless the cross, which is self-denial, works in your life. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, one prerequisite, you better deny yourself, you better take up your cross, and you better follow me, or you can't be my disciple. In other words, your will is out of it. Your pleasure is out of it. We do always those things that please him. And that's where the conflict starts. People don't like to please God. They, they, they want to fulfill their own lusts, their own desires, their own wants. And then they say, oh, you know, well, why didn't God do it? Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says this. It says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. When you've got God on your side, nothing's impossible. Nothing. But, possibilities are dangerous. Uh, Luke 1 37. You know, he's saying to Mary, <laughs> you know, with God nothing's impossible. Okay? Now let me explain something to you. Because something is possible puts you in a dangerous position. If nothing is impossible then I want to tell you, you're in a very dangerous position. Because <laughs> you can take the promises of God and you can begin to apply them and you can begin to claim them and you can begin to do what you want to do. And in the end, God will find you out because you're not living for him, you're living for yourself. You can build in your life for yourself. I know a lot of ministries that are ministering for themselves, not for God. I find people, they've set themselves and they find that they can use spiritual principles and spiritual promises to get what they want but I would rather find out what he wants. You can, and you will always do what you want in the end. That's the trouble with man. He, in the end, he's going to do what he wants. People come to me for advice. They ask advice. And I say to them, well, I know that you're going to do what you want. Even if you tell them what's right, they'll still do what they want. They're not going to listen to you. The reason is, they never came through Calvary. The cross and self-denial has been obliterated and ambition, vaunted ambition, stands there and all they want is their will for their life. They want to do it their way. They want to, God bless me, God bless mine, God enrich me, God, and they build bigger bonds. 
And one day God's going to say, you fool, this night is your soul required of you, now who's going to own them? Man takes up his ambition and you say, well, yeah, but he's a Christian, he's a believer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's claiming the word of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see, to be a disciple, you have to do his will. Doesn't mean that if you're not a disciple, things won't work. Because there was, the disciples complained to Jesus. They said, hey, don't you know there's, there's a group going around casting devils out and using your name and healing the sick. And if you think of it, there's a story in Matthew where he says, in that day many are going to say, Lord, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Hey, but when you look at that scripture, you discover that the one thing they weren't doing was Father's will. They were healing the sick, but it wasn't God's will. They were delivering the captive, but it wasn't God's will. They were preaching the gospel, but it wasn't God's will. Hey, they were doing it for themselves, not for him. God didn't say, and the word there in the Greek is um, that they did it in his name and through his name, dear. And the truth is, God didn't say, you didn't do it in my name. Yes, they did it in his name. His problem was, it wasn't Father's will. Did you realise you can heal people? You can use the word of God to bring deliverance? But if it's not what God wants, you're in trouble. And he said, many are going to say in that day, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name, I did that. Well, you think how many there are that have got gifts, and then you wonder where all these many are coming from. <laughs> and in our lives, we've got to be careful. You see, God wants us to be servants of the living God. He calls us friends, but in the end, I want to do what pleases him. You say, well, I can succeed. Yeah, you can. All things are possible. With God, all things are possible. If God's in your life, hey, you, you've got the potential to do an awful lot. But the trouble is you can do an awful lot of damage. You can be a worker of iniquity with all the signs following. And everyone else will think, what a wonderful ministry. And God will say, I didn't ask you to do that. say can that be well Jesus said it could and I happen to think he's right don't you who gone quiet well I, I'm just saying don't you think he's right well you imagine you build something and then God says hey I didn't ask you to do that worker of iniquity what's God want um, John 6 verse 63 John 6 verse 63 says this it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. Life is in the word of God. The words that Jesus speaks to us, they're life. If you want to be alive, you've got to be alive in the word. You can't, now it's not word of faith where you grab scripture. I'm talking about Jesus speaking, living. A living quickened word into the depths of your soul. And he said, look, the words that I speak to you, they're spirit, they're life. And you can live by the word of God. In Romans 8 verse 14. 
Romans 8 verse 14. Uh, and here again, um, when you look at Scripture, you've got to look at it carefully. It says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, who do sons refer to? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Who does it refer to? Well, I'll tell you who it refers to. It refers to mature sons, huios, in the Greek. It doesn't refer to um, brephos, it doesn't refer to napios, it doesn't refer to padion or technion, it refers to huios, mature son. Jesus became a son and learned obedience by the things that he suffered. That was huios. In other words, it's talking. People who are led by the Spirit of God aren't babes in Christ. A babe in Christ, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, that's brephos, thou hast perfected praise. Uh, a babe in Christ can praise God, but he's certainly not led by the Spirit of God. And yet I find so many people, when they become a Christian, they claim God's Spirit's leading them. Just a minute. That was Huios it was talking about. The word's different. In the Greek, you have to go back and find out, well, who's it referring to as sons? It's referring to mature sons. And then it goes on. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, by, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. What do we suffer? Why? We go the way of the cross. You know what Jesus did? He denied himself. He said, I'll do only those things which I see the Father do. I'll speak only those things which I hear the Father speak. <laughs> I'm not here to fulfill my will. When he came to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed a prayer, he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but I'm not prepared to do what I want. I want to do what you want. He said his face is a flint to go to Jerusalem. He told his disciples, I'm going to be crucified and die. They said, Peter said, far be it from you, Lord. He said, get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things of God, but the things of man. Why? He was denying the will of God. I find so many people want to get out of God's purpose and do their own. You see, you'll reign with him, you'll be a joint heir with him, but you have to suffer with him. Now, one of the sufferings is persecution. Have you noticed, if you go God's way, people won't like you. If you're going to live according to God's standard, people get upset with you. If you rebuke the sinner, they get angry with you. If you challenge lifestyle... They say, who are you? To go God's way, we have to suffer with him. We have to identify with Christ and with his life, and that brings suffering in our lives. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. And he says, if you, if you want to reign, and you want to share as a joint heir in the inheritance, you're going to have to suffer with him. And he puts a condition on it. Look. Verse 17, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be. What so be's? That we suffer with him. I find too many people, they want all the glory. Hey, you know, we're Christians, we don't need to suffer. Well, I'm sorry, you're not a Christian, you're a would-be Christian. You have to bear his reproach. 
He was separate from sinners. I mean, the, the, once you become and you nail your colours to the mast, then people know. I mean, you know, what 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 you say and what you do is just so clear. This is God's view. This is God's standard. This is the way I live. That's it. You've got to nail your colours to the mast, haven't you? I remember years ago I was working in a company. God had saved me, God had blessed me. And I ended up president of the sales force. And I had to go off. I had to go over overseas to Monte Carlo. Got a free trip to Monte Carlo for four days. So I went. When I came back, I was told to put in a claim for my expenses. So I put in a claim for my expenses and the manager called me and he says, you can't put in this claim. I said, why not? He said, it's a fifth of what the rest of us have claimed. He said, go out and fill it in differently. He said, you're making us all look like thieves. I said, well, that's what you are, isn't it? That's what it cost me. That's all I'm claiming. He said, I'm not putting it in. You go and change it. I said, I'm not. That's what I spent. That's what I'm claiming. He said, you're just trying to show the rest of us up. I said, well, a thief's a thief, isn't he? You're a crook. Huh. You think you're good. I said, no, I don't. I said, but I fear God. And I said, thieves don't have a nice end. Nor will you. I, I, I was... I was doing very well in business so he couldn't sack me but you see he wanted me to join with him. no I'm not joining so well, everyone's doing it not me that's what it cost me that's what I claim thank you very much see these days people want to just be conformed to the world it says be you not conformed I'm not going to conform with the way they live. Why? I'm not politically correct. I never will be politically correct. Verse 17, if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer him with him, that we may also be also glorified together. Hey, there's a glory in it, isn't there? I live. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth. Hey, that's a Christian life. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Amen? You see, I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Huh, I have all sufficiency in all things. Huh, that I am abound to every good work. God wants you to be in the earth. But you see, if you're going to be led by the Spirit of God, you better suffer with him. What are you going to suffer? Well, you're going to have to suffer the fact that you can't have your own will. You can't live for yourself any longer, darling. You've got to live for him. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to follow him. You're not allowed to fulfill your own ambitions. You've got to fulfill his. He'll accomplish his word as it pleases him. We've got to be like Jesus. I do always those things that please him. Is that how you live? Live your life saying, hey, my only ambition is to please God. What if you gather millions of pounds together? Who's going to get it? Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. Colossians 1.9 For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What do you need filling with? The knowledge of His will, not yours, His. 
Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Glory to God. We've got an inheritance, haven't we? But you see, it's all to do with his will. You notice that? Look, verse 9, one, Colossians 1, 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's the problem with people. They don't know what God wants. They're fulfilling their own will. It's Jesus added on to my life. God bless me. God prosper me. God give me what I want. And God said that's not the way to live. You need to have a knowledge of his will. If you want to reign with him, you're going to have to suffer with him. Christianity is a selfless life. It's putting God's glory above everything else. That's what the Bible teaches. That you might, verse 10, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. What are you pleasing? You're pleasing God. Can you say, you know, well, the way I live day by day, I only live to please him. If you can't say that, you're not living like a Christian. All that I have and all that I am, it's yours, Lord. That's why the church is powerless. Goes on to explain it. Look at this. I mean, these are conditional things. Look, you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all places, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Now that's the trouble. You see, you've got to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. Most people want their own inheritance. They want to build for themselves. It's God's will. God's purpose, God's way. That's what we're talking about. I don't ever want to take the word of God and use it for myself. I don't want to look at things ever and say, God, well, what can I get out of it? God intends us To live for him. Hey. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to. Thy cross I cling. Uh, you know I, I just. I'm just a, I'm a. I guess I'm old fashioned. I don't know. I said to TLO. Uh, we were chatting. And we came to the conclusion the pair of us were born 50 years too late. I, I just don't, I see these things, I see their success, I see the mega mess they make. I don't want any of it. I see Jesus. And to be honest with you, 
I don't think he'd feel too comfortable most places. I wonder if he'd be comfortable in your home. Comfortable with your life. your future, your ambition. I want to be filled with all the fullness of the knowledge of God, the will of God. I want to know what God's will is. Thy will, O Lord, let it be done in me. I want to please you. I want to be like Jesus. What I hear the Father say, what I speak. What I see the Father do, that's what I'm going to do. Jesus said of myself, I can do nothing. The strange thing is he had the power to do everything. Do you know, he turned around to the disciples at the end and he said, all power is given to me and all authority, both in heaven and earth and under the earth. He said, I've got all the authority, I can do what I like. But he said, I'll only do what pleases him. When he came to Calvary, he turned round to the people at Gethsemane and he said to Peter, he said, put up your sword. Don't you know I could call 12 legions of angels? <laughs> if my kingdom over this world, then will my servants fight? He said, I've got the power to call up 12 legions of angels. I can wipe them out like that. The whole world was upheld by the power of his word. He could have stopped everything. When they shouted, If you are who you say you are, come off the cross! He could have done. He had to dismiss his own spirit. He couldn't die. They couldn't kill him. It was perfect but you know what the perfection was he learned obedience through the things that he suffered and he says if you want to be a joint heir you have to suffer with him you have to identify with him you have to make your choice hey I, I don't want what I want everything belongs to him everything everything you have everything you are is his you've no right to yourself no you're not you're not your own you've been bought with a price therefore glorify God in your mortal body you don't have right to yourself don't have a right to anything Christianity is total yieldedness to him. Wonderful life, isn't it? Hmm? God, it excites me thinking about it. You all gone quiet. Hey, did you know he, he's Jesus is Lord? His king of kings. Did you know that if you want to be part of his kingdom, you better get under his kingship? If you want to walk in him, you better be obedient to him. If you want to go on in God, you better yield your life to him. Did you know he is the king of kings? But no one wants to live that way anymore. Man takes hold of his life, takes hold of his own destiny and says, well, I want to take the word of God and use it for myself. What a terrible thing. D.L. Moody, When he was at the end of his life, someone came to him. I read it out the other day, Friday. Someone came to him and said, if you could live your life again, would you do anything different? 
And D.L. Moody's answer was, yes, I would. If I could live my life again, he said, I would pray a lot less and read the Bible a lot more. That was Moody. I want to please him. I want to be a Christian, don't you? I want to walk his way, do his will, delight his heart. That's Christianity. Shame that there's not many people that want to live this way. Do you want to be a joint heir? Do you want an inheritance with the saints? Or do you want an inheritance? Depends where you want to put your treasure. Do you want your treasure where moth and thief can't get in? No corruption? Or do you want your treasure... What are you living for? That's really where it's at, isn't it? Hmm? Goodness me, you lot have gone so, so quiet. On a hill far away. I suppose it's because that's how I came to the Lord when a woman sung that. And tears began to flow down her cheeks. And then she sung in what I thought was her native tongue, and it happened to be tongues, I didn't know that. But I knew God was real from that moment. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Why is it we won't suffer anymore? Why is it the gospel's taken suffering and the cross out of it and take the cross away and you've got nothing? Take the cross away and there's no atonement. You say, well, I've gone beyond the cross. Poor you. You know, there's things in my life that I'd like to do. God says, I can't. Things in your life you'd like to do, different from what I'd like to do. God says you can't. If you want to be a follower of me and my disciple, I want you to walk this way. Now the trouble is, there's two ways of going. You remember? Two trees. Tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's God and there's the devil, there's light and there's darkness. And then there's straight is the gate, narrow the way that leads to life. But there's another way of going. Many go there in there. It's called a broad way. All encompassing. Politically correct. Everyone will love you. Unfortunately, it leads to destruction. The straight gate, few there be that find it. I know which way I want to be. And that really is the choice you make this morning. In your life this morning, you're one of those two paths. Now, you haven't got to the end, but you're going where it leads. Straight is the gate, narrow the way. People say to me, oh, you're too narrow-minded. I am, because the way is narrow. I want to keep on a narrow way. Oh, you know, you've got to be more broad. Oh, no, broad. That leads to destruction. No, no, I don't want to go that way. Amen. Hey, God's not against you. He's for you. He sends forth his word to accomplish his Father's will to do what pleases him this morning you could make a choice because the Holy Spirit's a true and faithful witness inside of you you know whose will you're doing can you stand before God and say well Lord I'm living to please you 
everything I have and am. So I just want to please you. If you can't say that, don't call yourself a Christian. Because you're not. It's to do with will. To do with the way we live. That's what it's to do with. Okay? Hello? Some of you. Come on. You know, I don't know of any other way to go. If I, if I could ju just preach this sermon a hundred times till it got in your head and got in your heart. Do you know the most glorious inheritance is an inheritance with the saints in light? Everything that's on the earth is going to burn with unquenchable fire. The heavens are going to be rolled up as a scroll. Don't think that Jesus is coming to this earth. Not the God the Father is never sending him back here to this filthy earth where they trample the blood of the Son of God under his feet. He said it's going to be burnt with unquenchable fire. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Thank God for it. I believe it. That's what my Bible promises. I've got an inheritance there. You can invite, I'll invite you to come visit my mansion. See, got a nice one. I haven't got a two up, two down place. Hmm. You know, it says that we should think of the things to come. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Nothing here I want. I have a future in him. I have a savior. I have a Lord who loves me. I have a hope beyond compare. I have an understanding and a vision of him. I want to delight his heart. I want to live for him. I don't want anything here. Nothing. There's no value in it at all. But oh, what a treasure I have. His name is Jesus. All that I have, he gave me. It's his to own. All that he poured out is for his praise, his glory. It's his life. I love him. I was bought with a price. I'm not my own. Can you say that today? It's true. He's blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's a wonderful God. Amen. I don't know how to tell you any clearer. I don't know how to plead with you any other way. You can't hold on to it. If you keep your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you'll keep it for eternity. Some of you put your trust in money. Love of money is the root of all evil. It'll eat you up and destroy you. It's going to devour you. You're a fool. Some of you covet. You're just crazy. It's not worth anything. 
Some of you, you just live a selfish life for your selfish self. At the end of it, what will you leave behind? Not even a memory. Oh, he's so wonderful. He's so wonderful, my Jesus. I love him. I love him. I stand. I want to pray. Put your hand on your chest. Close your eyes. Don't look around at anyone. I want to pray for your heart and your life. Father, words are so inadequate to express the wonder of your grace, the depth of your love. Words are so impossible to express the treasure you offer us. But Master, I'd ask you to reach into every heart this day. By your Spirit, Lord, take the words that have been spoken and let them be light inside, like full of soap and refining fire. Lord Jesus, I just pray for each one in the sound of my voice. Lord, just have mercy. We're here to please you, oh God. That's why you put us here. You created heaven and earth and all that is in them. Lord Jesus, you laid everything down to purchase us. You bled and died to redeem us. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. Oh, Master, I just pray for each one. Lord, wake us up. Break the chains that bind. Lord, loose the yokes of selfishness, of selfish desire and ambition. Break the chains of our own way that we might not walk in the broad way that leads to destruction, but we might find that narrow way, that straight gate that leads to life. Lord Jesus, in your mercy and your grace, let the word that's been sent forth this day bear fruit in every life and every heart I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.